Hello, hello. This is Daily Football Report number 17. The next move for the Bills, Cowboys, Giants, and Jaguars. Find us on YouTube, TikTok, under 4, Scene Sports, number 4. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, and other podcasting platforms. For how you doing today? Oh, man, it's always a good uh, a good day when there's football on the horizon. You know what I mean? Man, it's been a few days since we've seen some football, hasn't it? It has, man, and I'm definitely jonesing for some conference championship action. I'll tell you that much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, which of these four teams disappointed you the most? Oh, that's, you know, that's that's a tough question in a way, but I'll go ahead and give you my answer. The Giants, if you look at them for how highly I held them, definitely disappointed me the most in the playoffs. I think we're both probably in agreement on that. But in terms of overall, it has to be the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. All right. I'm going to let you hold on to that thought. I think it's the Buffalo Bills, and I'll tell you why. Come on. After going all in by giving an aging Von Miller six years, $120 million contract, they still found themselves short of a Super Bowl trophy. They had a great year with ups and downs, but they just showed moments of pure strength and many moments of pure weakness. I just think they couldn't get it done. I mean, what do you think cost them? Man, if I had to... uh look at it man it has to be the fact that they had zero running game in the playoffs we saw it all season they were able to run the rock when needed um but for some reason they were content throwing the ball every single down it felt like they didn't have any time to establish it because they found themselves down early on to the Bengals. but man there's no excuse they, they didn't look like the same team yeah i mean i would also credit the bills offensive coordinator ken dorsey he was a downgrade from coach brian dayball and it showed they didn't run Allen enough, right? They didn't run Allen enough. And they, you know, honestly could have ran a lot more. And um, I, I just completely agree with that statement. He's definitely a downgrade from Coach Dable. I mean, also, I think one thing we need to add is just how di- just disappointing this defense was, right? They were so great for so much of the season, yet still came up short in the playoffs. They gave up too many points to the Chiefs last year and still too many points to the Bengals this year. Yeah, man. I mean, if we look at last season, I I don't even know if I think that they gave up too many points, but I will say this. They couldn't hold when it mattered. And this year against the Bengals, it's definitely shown regression, right? They weren't even able to be competitive in that game. The score might make it seem a little bit closer than it was, but that was an absolute blowout. Agreed. I think, honestly, I'm a little worried for their offseason, right? They still have the Von Miller deal. They got to figure out Jordan Poyer's safety. Edmonds at linebacker and Singletary. Well, man, let's be honest. Um, with how little they've been running, I don't think Devin Singletary is in a, you know, a necessity to that team at all. You're right. They they probably won't re-sign him out, right? No, he's a talented running back. Hopefully they make that a priority. You know, I, I think, uh, man, it's tough, right? Because we're going to have to see uh, what the GM, uh, uh, Brandon Bean, can do because at the end of the day, they don't have a great cap situation, man, you know? Agreed. This is a pure mess, man. I don't know how you fix this. I don't know if they can. You know, I think they're probably in a situation where they are going to need to either uh, let Singletary walk and maybe draft a running back or get Singletary back on the cheap and just add more running back depth through the draft in general. Um, because that running back room was not impressive this year. Um, we've talked about it. That's not their bread and butter. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's hard to get Allen running with the ball if there's no threat of a running back taking it. You know what I mean? Agreed. I mean, we saw Seattle hit a home run with Kenneth Walker, right? And 
maybe Buffalo, that's what they got to do. I think that's enough Bills talk, though, man, until next season, right? And it's going to be a long offseason for Buffalo. Absolutely. I mean, you would say what for Buffalo is your biggest, fixing the caps, uh, the cap scenario? Yeah, I would say it's fixing the cap and, quite honestly, just addressing that defense. I know they're good on paper, but I don't know if they have enough star talent. That's just my opinion. Well, you know what, man? April is not too far away, and we'll see where they want to take their team come free agency and obviously the NFL draft. So, Agreed. Let's transition to America's team and coming from America's podcast, right? So the Dallas Cowboys, man. How do you think their season was? Do you think they overachieved or underachieved? Look, man, I said it at the start of the show. The Cowboys are an underachieving team for me, and I'll tell you why. You know, yeah, you can make some arguments here that they, you know, overachieved. But, dude, let's be honest. They ended the season the exact same way, back-to-back years. Both came down to the final play of the game in a one-score game. And both times, they made a play happen. They, they, They committed a play. They did a play that had you scratching your head wondering, what did I just watch from the QB draw last season? And now we had the Ezekiel Elliott at center snapping it with no offensive line and getting absolutely pancaked while his receiver was then hit. It made no sense. And uh, in my opinion, might even be more embarrassing than last year's time clock debacle. So, you know, that that's my reason. There was no improvement. You know, um, I didn't see it. Um, what about you, man? Did you think that they were uh, that they overachieved or underachieved? Div, I truly believe they overachieved. Their over-under at the beginning of the season was only set at nine and a half wins. They overachieved that, right? So they went 12 and 5. Say they had a pure repeat of the season before with old Dak and McCarthy. I think what cost them are problems that they cannot fix, right? It's Dak turning the ball over. Losing the turnover battle will lead to early exits year over year. Their kicker also couldn't have seen that coming, right? One of the best kickers all year long. But something about that Dallas Cowboys energy, right? There's some anxious energy. There's a lot of pressure. That's got to be tough. And quite honestly, Coach Mike McCarthy and his unique play calling and his lack of preparation cost the Cowboys. All right. And I think the other issue, which I actually don't mind, as the Cowboys superstar is actually their superstar owner, Jerry Jones, right? So that's kind of a, a weird dynamic there. And I don't know how you address that and how you fix that. That's interesting, man. I, I will say I definitely agree with you, man, obviously with uh, Dak turning the ball over. Definitely made some plays that you cannot make this season. Um, their kicker, you know, w- with that, I think you nailed it right on the head. Um, he, he, man. If they had lost that Tampa Bay game, I mean, I don't know if there would have been a worse kicking performance in the history of football. Um, That also said, man, Coach McCarthy, you called it unique play calling. I I call it terrible play calling Um, when he has the reins. You know, we saw improvements this year, you know, obviously with uh, Kellen Moore taking more of the reins and now he's looking for a head coaching job. So I think there's some truth in that, man. Uh, the other thing uh, you said, Jerry Jones is the superstar of the Cowboys. You know, he's he has always been, hasn't he? And it's like that dynamic you think has to go away eventually, right? Well, it's interesting. It's almost something about the city of Dallas, right? Because you have that with uh, with Mark Cuban, 
in Dallas in the NBA, right? And I just think Cuban really has a positive energy and you can tell he really tries to put the focus on his players, right? And a lot of Cuban's uh, media debacles were technically him getting passionately upset with the referees, right? Whereas I don't know if you get that with Jerry Jones as much. So I don't know. I don't really know what you do. I think Jerry Jones almost reminds me of how, like if we had a top tier music band and the most famous musician was actually their manager, right? Like that would be kind of kind of a weird dynamic, right? I think that kind of covers the Cowboys for the most part. I think if you look at it, you know, I think, I guess to sum it up, man, did you, you had them overachieving in your mind? Agreed. I felt like they overachieved. Definitely. Yeah, especially, I mean, look, to credit you and your 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 take here, man, let's not act like that's an easy division, right? We almost had four playoff teams come out of the East this year. And uh, the fact that they were able to be, you know, just under Philadelphia coming out, I, th- I think that says a lot about them. And, you know, it's just going to be if they can punch through in the offseason, right? And break through this if they get into the same position next year, which is a huge if. Agreed. Agreed. I think we should transition to their bitter division rival, the New York football giants. Man, I think you have to look at it like they overachieved. Um, I don't think anyone last year thought that this would be a playoff team. Even those who love Coach Dable. I just think uh, if you look at the the Vegas line for their wins losses heading into this season, it was set at seven and a half, which honestly felt a little high to me. I might have even leaned the under on that. Um, but they they overachieved nine seven and one, you know, um, you know. There's the tie obviously could have gone either way, but they were going to cover that spread no matter what. So that was very impressive, man. I also think that they overachieved and they won a lot of close games this year. Um, Coach Brian Dable's first year with the Giants, you have to look at it like an ultimate success, right? Completely agree. I mean, he made Daniel Jones almost get possibly a max contract. We'll see what the Giants do this year, but I think he made him look really good, right? Yeah, man. I mean, you're going to have to see, right, what which angle they take with Daniel Jones. I would say he's definitely made it a situation, Coach Dable's made it a situation with Jones where he has shown that he can win with him. And most teams would would kill to have a quarterback that they could win with. So it's definitely up in the air on if they can meet that number for Daniel Jones to stay or if Daniel Jones thinks there's greener pastures out there. Right. But where is the market for Daniel Jones? Is there one? I do think there is one. I think if you look at a team um, like Tampa, who all the rumors show that Brady's probably leaving, I could see Daniel Jones fitting into a Tampa Bay I could also see a team maybe like a Minnesota Vikings, ironically, um, after they got bumped out by the Giants, but a team that can offer him the chance, similar to maybe a Mitch Trubisky, you know, where he was able to give it, he was given that year with Pittsburgh um, after, you know, he went to Buffalo for a year, sat behind Josh Allen, went over to Pittsburgh. I think we could see something like that from Daniel Jones, where he may sit out a year ride the bench on a team that has a good shot at a Super Bowl, um, but could potentially come back into the starting fold in a year or two. Agreed. I think that's quite possible. Yeah, I mean, it was just a great year. I think ultimately, though, Coach Dayball and Kafka, they really called a bad game against Philly, and that's a sour note to end the season on, right? Sure. And I think, honestly, man, ask yourself this. How much do you think Kafka actually spent studying for that game? Because let's be honest, like – he was definitely in contact with teams about who, what interviews he was going to be doing the following week. So, you know, man, that's like, take yourself back to college, right? 
you know, if you had a big trip lined up and you also had three or four tests um, in a week, like finals type week, are you spending your time studying for those? Or are you planning your trip? You know what I mean? It's the same situation. Yeah, I think you just described my summer, actually my spring break, man, when I had Lake Havasu planned. So you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think- I know you so well, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I would add to that as well is this almost reminds me of Tennessee a few seasons back, right? Where they lost, but they lost because Arthur Smith was interviewing with all these other teams, right? And- it showed. It showed in the play calling where they didn't run Tannehill enough. That's a perfect example. That that, that was uh, another one that actually sprang to my mind too. It was kind of talked about after the game. Like you could see it. You could just see it out there. You could see it based off the plays that they were running. Yeah, man. Um, I think truthfully that might be even more than Coach Dayball. You know, um, I think Mike. I think Coach Kafka is definitely to blame um, for that awful performance against Philly. They just looked unprepared from the get go. Well, two things, all right. First off, I don't know what he could have done. Philadelphia dominated them all season, right? But you're right. If he's a top-tier coach, you had two tries. You had a lot of game film to look and make some adjustments. My other takeaways, this reminds me of college where you have a coach and he's not going to be going to the bowl game or preparing for the bowl game because he's taking the next job out of town, right? You know, I'm a Buccaneers fan and a uh, Florida State fan. My entire man cave is decked out. And it kind of relates back because, dude, like we had a, you know, we had Jimbo Fisher and uh, Jimbo stopped recruiting his final year and that, and he stopped really trying. And before you know it, we're left with no recruits. We're left with an incoming Willie Taggart who had nothing to help us. And it was just one of those things, man. I mean, we went, uh, I think, seven and six after a 10 or 11 win year the year before. It's just you can see when coaches have one foot out the door. And I think this is 100% what happened with Kafka. Wow. I think you're spot on. It makes sense. Possibly Kellen Moore as well, right? You know, there's something there, right? I mean, look at the teams that are advancing. It, it's it's the teams that aren't having coaches that are interviewing. I, I think truthfully, if you really look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that New York can do to fix the giants for this upcoming season? Oh, for sure. For sure. They, look, you know, they've started to make Saquon Barkley return back to his collegiate form. And on top of it, like they really just need to figure out their quarterback and their wide receiver position, right? Because their receiving position is pretty poor. That's something they can handle in the draft. I also can see them going after either one of the elite quarterbacks, man. Like, if you're them, what's stopping you from really, really going at Aaron Rodgers or going after, you know, a Tom Brady? I mean, that's it's weird to me that Tom Brady wouldn't consider a team that has a very solid defense and a really good running back in a New York market, especially with him promoting TB12. So definitely could see something like that, man. Uh what, what would you do if you if if you're Dable, if you're the GM, what are, what are you doing? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's quite obvious. There's a ceiling when you have a quarterback that isn't a top three or a top five quarterback, right? It's hard to win in the league. And I think ultimately we've discovered now that Dan Jones is not a top five or top 10 talent indicative of our top 10 quarterbacks, right? Neither of us had him up there, which means many others also don't have him up there outside of New York. So quite honestly, I think you had to move off the quarterback and let everything else fall into place. I, I think you're 100% spot on. That's what I would do as well. I think that we have a ceiling here with Daniel Jones. I think the only argument would be that 
you did draft him, you know, high in the first round, uh, being with the, the New York Giants. Uh, so maybe you want to see this through with one more year, but also you weren't willing to uh, go after him with with his option, right? You weren't you weren't willing to extend that. So it looks like they've either made up their mind, or this year has really put a wrench in their decisions, and they're going to be forced to extend him, which I think is a bigger risk than just letting him walk at this point. Well, for I mean, we've seen his benchmark, right, Kirk Cousins, and we've seen the Vikings have early playoff exit year over year. And that's really what you're signing up for when you sign a Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Oh, look, I think you're even putting him a little bit high there, you know, not to make this a cast on Daniel Jones. But, you know, if he was in the Kirk Cousins realm, I think it'd be a no brainer for for the Giants. I would honestly say that Daniel Jones is kind of like a higher-end version of Mitch Trubisky. There's the run threat. There's a little bit of great passing that can take place from every now and then, but it's not a guy that I would want behind center. Um, and, you know, that was the Bears. You know, the Bears were also good with Trubisky. We forget this, but we saw a lot of bad football with Trubisky, and we've seen a lot of bad football from Daniel Jones. So I wouldn't compare him to Kirk Cousins, but, you know, I can see why you did. Well, and that's a fantastic comparison, actually. I think you have the right comp because they're, they're both very athletic, right? Trubisky and, and Dan Jones are both very athletic, but they both also throw the same ball, right? So a lot of a lot of bad interceptions, right? The last thing I wanted to add to that, man, and maybe you see it the same way. We both know they're athletic. The NFL announcers remind us five times a game. Do you think it's weird that they don't run more? Do you think it's something, it's a durability issue, or do you think maybe they don't want to run as much? Because, man, I've wondered that about Trubisky's entire NFL career, why he doesn't run more, because he absolutely has wheels on them. Yeah, it's a two-pronged approach. I think if you look at these young quarterbacks, they've seen the RG3s, these other running quarterbacks, the Cam Newtons, they've seen them deteriorate at a very rapid pace, okay? So the thing is, how do you, like, what do you do, right? Are you willing to run the ball more, but then cut off five seasons? Or are you willing to maybe not run as much, but then extend your career by five seasons, right? So do you think it's a also, I mean, could you see it also being them not wanting to be labeled as a scrambling or running organic quarterback? That could be it. That could be it. I, I think, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, if you're winning games, you're winning games. We've seen this with Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, a generational shift where, these new age modern quarterbacks are just, they're all relatively above average athletic, right? And I would say that if you look at like the average athleticism of these quarterbacks, these newer quarterbacks under 27, under 28, they're probably up there with safeties from the 1990s and the early 2000s, right? So there's just been a dynamic shift in the modern athlete. That's a uh, that's a good talking point, man. I feel like we could probably do an hour on that alone. Uh, let me let me kind of transition here. So we're talking about the the newer age of quarterbacks, and when you think of newer age quarterbacks, it's hard not to think of Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Let me uh, that takes us to our final team here um, of that that we're kind of looking at of where they what went wrong, right? And uh, honestly, man, like it's kind of hard to say what went wrong with the team that won three games last year and somehow is we're talking about them in the at the end of january you know yeah ultimately i think i think it's obvious they definitely overachieved over under was set at six and a half wins they got nine and ultimately 
they're just a young team. I think they found their groove when it mattered the most. But for let's be objective, they were down 27 in the playoffs against a competent coach and an elite-level quarterback. They're not coming back from that, right? They're so young, right? And we haven't seen them um, at their best levels yet. And you have a bunch of players on a team who are all not even real, relatively in their prime. And I'm talking the playmakers of this group. It's tough, right? Because they're always at a disadvantage because the media knows it. We know it. The teams know it. The coaches know it. Doug Peterson knows he has to coach the game of his life to steal a game against the Chiefs, let alone in a playoff game, right? So I would just argue for Jags fans, it's clearly – you're clearly on the right track. You know, you, you're almost ahead of schedule from where you should be. And I think the best thing they have is just keep building, keep trusting the Doug Peterson process, and use those draft picks to keep drafting knockout players. And I, I think they're going to be just fine. What about you? Yeah, this is a patient rebuild, and I would say they're exceptionally ahead of the rebuild, right? They have to be. You have to uh, look at what they've done in just a year span and and think that they are at least a year ahead of where they should be. Agreed. I mean, I'm excited to see where this team goes, and I don't see how they don't repeat the division unless there's big changes in the AFC South, right? You know, it's it's very early. Who knows? Um, it's one of those where I feel like picking up now before we even go through a free agency is is extremely tough but they have to be the odds on favorite especially with that roster staying intact you know another year of Doug Peterson and him getting another off season maybe they get some veterans in there who have those playoff level experiences you know and uh you know maybe we're talking about Jan uh the Jacksonville Jaguars in January of 2024 man who knows quite honestly that was a perfect segue into the news of the day man speaking of changes what about Dan Quinn did you hear about him? I did. I did, man. I heard that Dan Quinn has pulled his name out of all offers. Um, he says he has unfinished business left with the Dallas Cowboys. Goggin, what do you, what do you feel, feel about this? Do you think this is a good move by Dan Quinn? The only reason you make this move, if you're Dan Quinn, is you know Uncle Jerry is going to give you that head coaching job next season when Mike McCarthy does not live up to it. Right. Come on, man. That's fantastic. I'm going to be honest. That didn't even cross my mind. And the second I heard you say that, I couldn't agree more. I think if you're Dan Quinn, you might be the smartest man in the organization because you might have that guarantee. You know, McCarthy is already on the hot seat. You know, Kellen Moore will not be with the team come February. So you're in this weird state where you kind of can inherit the Cowboys. Um, your defense has got all its playmakers, so you're not really worried about them regressing. And yeah, man, I think you absolutely just nailed it on the head. I think that is probably where he wants to be. Uh, and that's got to be an odd locker room situation with McCarthy, right? Yeah, McCarthy's a smart guy. He has to know. He has to know. I don't know how you do that. But then again, McCarthy handles the offense and Dan Quinn handles the defense, right? That's spot on. And, uh, you know, it makes you wonder if McCarthy's going to inherit more of a role on the offense uh, heading into this upcoming season with the eventual departure of Kellen Moore. I don't think we're jumping the gun by saying that. I mean, who knows? But it seems like that is almost a lock at this point that he will find one of the jobs available. Agreed, man. Agreed. I think... Quite honestly, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous that you got some other co-host coming in to replace me, man. I'm feeling like Mike McCarthy right now. 
oh man, I can never do that to you. But I just want to let everyone know I'm accepting no offers as we have unfinished business here at the Daily Football Report. Yes, sir. <laughs> Definitely a lot of unfinished business still. Hey, man, speaking of some unfinished business, some more unfinished business, let me tell you this, man, offensive coordinating, tough place to do it. And they apparently want to make it even tougher because Coach Hackett is the new offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. He's going to try to solve this quarterback crisis. And uh, I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I feel like you're putting gasoline onto a fire. Um Sala also said today that one of the first things discussed was hiring a veteran quarterback. That's a double yikes. You know, I, I don't know, man. That's not the first time a Wilson has been affected by Hackett coming to town. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? Or first and foremost, I don't know how you said that with a straight face. I mean, I feel like I could hear the laughter inside your soul. Yeah, man, Hackett has a thing for Wilsons at quarterback. I mean, there's only two Wilsons in the league at quarterback that are starting or of top-tier talent, and Hackett still finds a way to interact with the both of them? Come on, man. Look, I, I had to I had to kind of shield my laughter because I'm actually a massive Zach Wilson fan and might have gotten into the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame, or the early Hall of Fame talk of – you know, all the people hyping him up and I'm honestly scared for scared for my guy here. It's not a good look. It was already tough enough. And now Coach Hackett's coming to town, man. I I'm nervous for him. And I don't like this veteran quarterback talk. It sounds like the Jets are uh are done with Wilson. I'm sure they are, but I gotta give you credit. You were solid on golf, you held on to golf, and it looked better. So maybe Wilson just needs to get out of town. You're right. I just need Wilson to head to Detroit and everything's gonna be just fine. Yeah, that's a great, great segue. How about get Zach Wilson over to Houston, man? The Texans can use a quarterback, right? You know, they need a lot of things, man. I think they would accept Zach Wilson at slot receiver at this point, man. Shoot. Um, you know, I think for, for, for Solace, and first off, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to spend something on you here, man. They want a veteran quarterback. And I kind of wanted to ask you, when you hear veteran quarterback, what does that entail for you? And is there anyone out there that you could see coming to New York? Oh, man, this is Aaron Rodgers written all over it, right? Hackett, his best yeah. friend? That's pretty much uh, tampering without tampering, right? It, you know, we're going after a veteran quarterback. We're also hiring your best friend. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's that's as obvious as it gets. It's almost Dan Quinn shutting down all these other offers, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Dan Quinn, honestly, he reminds me of that uh, like that kid who gets the Lamborghini at a certain age, so he just has to wait it out, right? So that's kind of how it sounds like with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, look, speaking of, you know, in this case, not waiting it out, the Panthers have found their guy. Yagen, the first ever quarterback for your franchise is returning to coach the team. Frank Reich is coming to town. Uh, man, are you stoked or what? I'm very excited. I think I might have to uh, jump back on my Carolina Panthers, man. You know, they're, they've got a special place in my heart, and they always will. I love this hire. I think they win the division next year. Anything to do with them bringing back uh, Jake Eason or bringing, bringing Jake Eason to the Panthers? Oh, of course. Look, we're proud Washingtonians, right? We talk about this quite a bit. We're hoping to get some Washingtonian ads on here, some Washington sponsors, right? So hopefully they hear us. But yeah, man, I mean, come on. 
I've got a great Jake Eason story, man. You ever you remember that bowl game, Washington, Boise State down in Las Vegas, the Nevada Bowl, or the Las Vegas Bowl? Legend has it I may or may not have jumped an 11-foot fence in the final game of Sam Boyd Stadium, ran straight to uh, Jake Eason and got a picture with the guy. Class act, nice guy. He's from Lake Stevens. A little outside where we're from, but hey, it was cool, man. It was a good time. Us being Washingtonians, we heard about Jake Eason coming up, and you know he's very talented. We know that he went and went to Georgia, but he ultimately ended up at the University of Washington, and he had a great collegiate career. Um, absolute playmaker, fun to watch, and led the Huskies to you know a lot of wins, man. Uh, I know you're hyped over this. Do you think this is gonna? you know, do anything for your, your franchise, or you think this is just a good move for depth? I love it. I love it a lot. I mean, look, he played under Reich in Indianapolis as well. So he knows his offense. I think this will help him out tremendously. And yeah, ultimately I think, I think had he committed to UW straight out of high, straight out of high school, they win the national title. They got to the playoffs with Jake Browning. Eason's a better talent. Oh, man, I, I love it. I respect it. It's a good day to be Washingtonian, isn't it? It is. It is. I'm I'm hoping uh, Eason gets back to me one of these days and we can get him on the pod, right? That would be fantastic, man. We'll have to uh, ask him if he remembers you at a good old uh, at, the, at the bowl game, man. He might, man. I don't know if there were too many like five foot ten Indian guys jumping a, an 11 foot fence to rush the field over a, a Washington bowl game win, right? Oh, man. You know, I... I, I can only picture that, and I'm sure that that is a memory that you're going to have for the rest of your life, brother. It is definitely a football moment for me. But yeah, I think that's it, man. Did you have any other final words? No. Um, I think it's, gosh, man, we're another day closer to football. I know I started the pod saying that, but man, I'm excited. I'm amped up. These two games, man, you know, they're going to be phenomenal, phenomenal football. You know, Vegas has no idea who's winning them. And, uh, you know, tomorrow on the pod, man, we are going to have to make our picks against the spread. Are you uh, are you ready for that? Always. Always. We love picking against the spread here, don't we? We do. We do. So that'll be uh, tomorrow's topic. We're going to give you our uh, game previews and our against the spread picks. So very excited for that. Uh, I think, man, this might be a good time to uh, make like Dayball and roll out. I believe so. The only thing is congrats to us and the listeners and everyone out there. Our website is finally live, 4scenesports.com. Check us out. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, 4. Thank you. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you to the fans and listeners as well. We appreciate it.